Welcome to the last 8% morning. This is JP Palu Fry. I am so pleased you are here. In today's session, do you sometimes feel you are not doing enough, that you should be doing more? Do you sometimes feel on edge, nervous, unable to relax, or have trouble sleeping because you can't stop thinking, or you're filled with worry? This is Anxiety Week, and in today's session, we're going to talk about what is anxiety, and what is one crucial insight we can learn to help free us from anxiety's clutches. Let's walk. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We start by walking or moving however we're able, and we follow a B-I-G structure. We first make our bed, and if you're not sure why we would do that, please go to podcast number eight, and you can learn all about that. We then are mindful of our belly and our body. So we follow a couple of Bs, although you could argue there's three Bs there couple of I's, couple of G's in this B-I-G structure. But on any one session, we'll only do one I and one G. So today we're doing idea of the day, which is all around anxiety. But we can also, and we do also, focus on identity, strengthening identity. And then there's two G's, goals and gratitude. Again, we pick one depending on the session. So now we're just walking. It's a gorgeous day to be out feeling our body, feeling our feet on the ground. And for some who this is new, they find the mindfulness part to be a bit slow. Well, that is all part of the design. Mindfulness is paying attention on purpose, non-judgmentally. And so now we're just walking and we're trying to pay attention to our body, to our belly rising and falling. And at times our mind will wander, so we pay attention to thoughts. And when we notice our mind wandering, we gently let those thoughts be, not trying to push them away, and just come back to our focus of attention, which is right now our belly rising and falling, and our body as it moves. Where is your mind? If it's wandered off, just let go of the thought and come back to walking. Maybe now feeling your hands and any sensations present. Feeling the belly rise and the belly fall. 
Now, at this point of the podcast, you can pause me and keep walking mindfully on your own. I'm going to move now to the idea of the day only because we've got a lot to cover and I want to make sure I don't make this a 25-minute podcast. Our goal is to make this around 15, 16 minutes. So, idea of the day. What is anxiety? Well, it's different than fear, although we sometimes get the two mixed up. Fear is a response to a concrete threat we are facing in the moment. So fear, it's a concrete threat that's very much in the moment. Anxiety is different. It's a response to a prediction our brain makes. Now it can show up as worry and ruminating, and we'll get to that. But I think it's really important for us to understand deeply what's going on. And so let me say it again. Anxiety is a response to a prediction our brain makes that turns into a neurological loop. And I will explain that in a second. But let's just go back to fear. So fear is when we face this more immediate threat. You know, there's a gas leak in the house. Our body responds by pumping cortisol into our bloodstream, getting oxygenated blood into our muscles, you know, sweat to cool the muscles, blood away from the digestive system so that, you know, we're not going to stop for a, to grab a sandwich. And all of this is done so that we can choose to fight, flee, or freeze against this immediate threat in the moment. You know, get the kids out of the house before it blows up. Well, that might be a bit dramatic, but, you know, we are moved to action. You get the idea. Anxiety is very different. It might feel similar because we also pump cortisol into the bloodstream. We also, you know, get our oxygenated blood to our muscles and sweat to cool the muscles and we divert blood away from the digestive system because, again, we're not going to grab that sandwich. Is this sounding familiar? Well, it should because it's very similar to fear. But all of this is done in response to not a concrete, immediate threat, but more a prediction our brain makes that turns into a neurological loop. So what do I mean by that? Well, it kind of works as follows we get some information about a future event. So it's not as immediate, it's more in the future. And this information generally is more ambiguous, less concrete. And what happens is, while we might have some worry and rumination, if we look deeper, what we have more immediately is body sensations. So we first feel body sensations, then our brain compares these physical sensations to what we call our experience template. That is, all that we've experienced before, and it compares what's going on now and labels it with an emotion. And with this label, it predicts how this situation will affect the body. At the same time, if it hasn't happened already, it feeds our cognitive brain and we start to hear what we call the VOH, which is the voice in our head, which is that mixture of thoughts and commentary, the critic, And all of this cacophony is going on. And our body senses this. And this is where the loop comes in. So it senses all of this. And it spits out more cortisol, which, you know, creates more sensations in the body. And it goes through the same loop. And this chain becoming a loop is what can cause us to get stuck. 
So think about it in terms of a job interview. You know, you have a job interview in a few weeks, you just heard about it. You heard that it's going to be online over Zoom, not in person. And so in that moment, we might have some thoughts, but we'll feel some physical sensations as we perceive the situation, as our brain compares it to other experiences we've had over Zoom video. And it puts a label on it and it predicts, are we going to be okay or not? You know, the voice in our head picks up on this if it hasn't already. And it, and it, and it goes like something like this. This is what we say to ourselves. The interview is now online using Zoom, but I'm, I'm more of an introvert and I don't normally do as well over video. Gosh, and if I don't do well, I might not get the job and there's not that many jobs up on the job board or on the, you know, on the different uh, websites. Hmm. There were a lot more before. I wonder if our industry is going to be forever changed gosh, should I be thinking about changing careers? What am I going to tell my partner if I don't get this job? What am I going to tell my parents? And then this becomes a loop where we spit up more cortisol because of this voice in our head and the emotional label, and it goes around and around and around, and you get the picture. Now, the reason I'm going into such a description is because I want to challenge you to become a student of human behavior, starting with your brain starting with what happens in this situation, because we are going to face a lot of last 8% situations, right? Those more difficult situations than what we usually encounter in the course of a day, a week, or a month, or in COVID-19's case, maybe a lifetime. And so if we understand the brain, then we're going to have a better chance of coming up with a strategy that's going to help us get unstuck. And to be clear, um, it's normal to worry. The challenge is when we start to worry excessively, when we get caught in this loop and we start to experience symptoms like irritability or we can't concentrate or we have problems, you know, falling or staying asleep. And, you know, it's really important that you know that if this is your experience, know you're not alone. One in three people now experience significant anxiety at some point over the course of their life. It is becoming our number one health challenge. Um, And if you start to feel like it moves into more extreme anxiety, more anxiety disorder or a panic attack, such as when you feel sudden overwhelming fear or palpitations or sweating or trembling, shortness of breath or chest pain, any of that, I would suggest you find some good resources in your local community. Or there's some online resources as well. But this podcast is not meant to replace the care of a healthcare practitioner. Having said all of that, it's also important for you to know that if you are feeling anxious, there are things you can do. And that starts with this insight. That anxiety, that for anxiety, the threat is not a concrete situation. It is a prediction that our brain makes. And the ensuing loop, we get stuck in. And the good news is that, you know, we can do something about it. We have ways to manage. And that's why we practice mindfulness because we're trying to bring, we're trying to build this muscle of mindfulness, which is, it allows us to be with not the most easy physical sensations without reacting to them. It allows us to see the label that we use to classify the sensations into emotions 
it helps us to see with a bit more clarity that voice in our head and how accurate that voice in our head is. So that's why we spend, you know, as much time as we do in the last 8% morning building mindfulness. You know, it's not a tool just to calm ourselves. It's so we can be in wiser relationship to our experience, to the physical sensations, the emotions, the thoughts that we experience. So over the course of Anxiety Week, we're going to be discussing how we can offer tools and practice tools so that we can better manage. But for today, we're going to look a little closer at the VOH because that's a new, maybe not a new language anyway, if not a new idea, which is that voice in our head. And that our voice in our head can become more of a threat when there's two things happening. It's out of proportion to the situation. You know, again, that's why we bring mindfulness to our thinking. Or when the thoughts become distorted. Now, there's a number of ways that our thoughts can become distorted, and I'm not going to go through them all now. There's other great resources to do that. But what I want you to pay attention to, because this is what I see with some of the individuals that I work with in a performance setting, is that when these thoughts become distorted because they're laced with judgments, you know, such as I should be doing more. And I want you to be particularly mindful of shoulds, both about ourself, that I should be doing more, and the world. It should be different. So for us, it might be, you know, I should get a certain kind of job, or I should make a certain amount of money. I should have the perfect kids who should get into the right school and should do well themselves. That's for us, but we can also, and we need to be mindful also about the world around us. You know, this COVID-19 situation should be different. We should be, you know, it should be handled differently now. Or the people that we interact with, you know, the people around me should be less aggressive with me. My manager should be more understanding, less antagonistic. The point is that it's easy to get caught up in these shoulds, this, these thoughts that are laced with judgments. And we can do this without being aware of it. And look, if our healthy intentions, which are good, you know, we want to be the best we can. We want to accomplish our goals. But when these healthy intentions become internal rules, it has to be this way. It must be this way. Then we will struggle with reality because reality is messy. The world is a messy place. And we'll end up feeling stuck and frustrated and we'll be in this, the voice in our head, the the loop will go on and we'll be really, you know, stuck and frustrated. So here's the question I want you to think about as we finish today's session. What if we dropped our shoulds? What if we dropped our shoulds about how we think a situation should go? Or how people around us should act? or that we should be doing more, might we feel more at ease? Might this be more freeing? And just to be clear, it doesn't mean we stop pushing to be our best or to achieve our goals. In fact, some people I work with tell me they need anxiety to accomplish their goals. And I say, I'm not so sure of that. I've worked with a lot of high performers and some have anxiety, some less so but that's not the critical piece. 
And I think what we're trying to push for is, can we be mindful? Because when we can be more at ease, more free, it can allow our best performance to come through. It means that when we're in a last 8% situation that's difficult, when we're dealing with someone, let's say, in a conversation, and the conversation goes in a different direction, we can be agile and not so stuck that it has to be a certain way. So as we're finishing up, let's think about how we can be more mindful of physical sensations, emotions and the label we put on our emotions, and being aware of that voice in our head and are we out of proportion to the situation? Number one, and are our thoughts laced with judgments? It should be a certain way. Moving now to the G part of our Structure gratitude. I think I do more gratitude than goals just because I love doing gratitude. Just in your mind's eye, think of three things that you can be grateful for right now. Just come up with a list. For me, I just love ideas. I love learning ideas, putting ideas into action. What is it for you? And just walking, looking around, feeling grateful to be outside if we are outside. And as we finish, let's bring this energy into the day. Let's show up as our best self, manage our emotions during our last 8% situations. If you like today's session, please subscribe, review it on iTunes, share it with everyone that you know. Every Tuesday at 12.30 Eastern Time, if you join our Facebook group, Bill Benjamin, my partner, and I will be talking about many of these neat topics, including anxiety or how to get people to treat us well, stop treating us poorly. So please join our Last 8% Project Facebook group, and you'll get lots of great resources there. But more than anything, let's make this a great day. Have a wonderful day.